Have you noticed everybody is talking about CBD oil? With that in mind, I partnered up with Joy Organics. With Joy Organics, you get quality THC-free products that is broad spectrum and made with hemp grown in the United States. It's third-party tested to make sure high standards are maintained. If you go to the link in the show notes to go to Joy Organics, you can order CBD soft gels, tinctures, salve, gummies, and so much more. They offer free shipping on orders over $50. If the order is under $50, shipping is only a flat rate of $5. And they offer you a 100% money-back guarantee if you do not care for the product. So again, go to the show notes where you will find a coupon for 15% off your order. Remember, every order supports the show to keep this show going. We're getting a fantastic product for you. Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco, and I'm your host. As a 35-plus-year Spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the Spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. This is going to be really a neat episode because I've got James Allen on the line. James is a fellow ankylosing spondylitis person, and James has developed a really cool app called Chronic Insights. And James, how are you doing today? Hi, Jason. I'm not too bad today. Yeah, you know, the usual ups and downs, aches and pains, as we all know. But yeah, today, I guess, is about, I'd say, a, a three or a four out of 10 on the pain scale. So not too bad. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Today was my Cosentix day. So that means we're going to have a good day. Oh, nice. I've learned something new. As people that are listening to this show, I learned a new word, and I'm going to share it, and it's called kipped. And I have no idea that that's a <laughs> British word for taking a nap. Yeah, sometimes if you're feeling really tired, you just need to go have a kip. There we 10 go. minutes. What a cool word, man. That is awesome. So, James, why we are talking is not only just because you have ankylosing spondylitis, but I first want to talk about chronic insights for a few minutes. Tell the listeners, what is it? What what can they do with this app? Because it's really cool, but I'd rather have you tell them. So Chronic Insights is essentially, it's a symptom diary. It's an app that I've been working on for about a year now. You can, it's available on the Google Play Store um, and also on TapFlight, which is Apple's version of beta testing. So it's not officially released yet. It's really version 1.0. It's a bit rough around the edges, and I'm, I'm looking to get people to try it out for me and give me some feedback. Um, and what it does is quite simple, really. It allows you to record your symptoms throughout the day, whether that's pain or fatigue, stiffness, anxiety, mobility issues, any, any symptom that you want to track. So it's mainly for people with chronic pain or chronic fatigue, people like us with ankylosing spondylitis or other potentially other conditions as well, like fibromyalgia, other forms of arthritis, endometriosis. I mean, the, the list is endless, the, the number of conditions which involve chronic pain and fatigue. So you can record, say, right now, I mentioned before, I'm a probably about a three out, four out of 10, I can just record that in the app. It's captured. I don't have to remember that. I can also record where on the body um, the pain is. So at the moment, it's kind of my the middle of my back. 
uh, right now, but throughout the day it shifts and changes. Maybe it'll be my shoulders later or my hips. And so by tracking and recording throughout the day, you can then look back on your symptoms and see what are the trends, what are the patterns, what are the things that I've tried that have potentially impacted my symptoms and and what does that look like when you look at the the graphs and the charts that are available and what does it look like visually on the body as are there particular areas of the body that are affected more or less over you know on average so that's that's essentially what it does in an in a nutshell as you said you can record the different items through the day but you can record them the way the graphs are set up in there if i'm having pain in my spine i can actually pull up the copy of a, a skeleton and circle the spine if i'm having muscle pain i can pull up a full body image not of me but just of a representation and circle the part of the body that that's hurting so maybe it's your rib cage that's hurting one day but it's your left leg the next day you can you can adjust and it's not just some you know static figure you're able to bounce back and forth between skeletal and muscular pain. Yes, I mean, that was one of the main goals of creating the app because there are other symptom diaries out there on the app stores. And I tried quite a few of them myself when I decided I wanted to start managing my my symptoms better. But none of them I found really allowed you to record the location of of your pain very well. I mean, some apps kind of give you a basic ability to do that but i just thought they were all they were i I felt like i could make a better one basically because i mean all forms of chronic pain but most forms that i know of the pain is never constant and never changing it's usually changing all of the time and that's one of the things that uh, is difficult to manage uh when it comes to chronic pain it's the fact that it's, it's constantly up and down and and so when it comes to talking to your doctor and tell, you know, they, they ask you, how have you been? It's, you know, Jason, it's been six months since our last appointment. We, how you've been? And I don't know what it's like for you. And I find my mind kind of goes blank. I don't know what to say. There's so much has happened. It's almost, and I can't remember most of it. I probably just tell them how I felt today or yesterday, because that's all I can really remember. But having this visual record of which parts of my body been hurting to be able to show somebody a picture is so much easier well it seems that invariably almost every time i go to the doctor i'm at a let's say a two or three on the pain level and even though i do walk with a cane and have a leg brace you know there's still a big difference between me at a seven or eight versus a two or three and if i go walk in and feel pretty good or you walk in and you visit with your doctor and say yeah yeah i'm doing i'm doing okay that doesn't give a true picture if they haven't seen you in six months a year where the cool thing about this app is right now there's a basic export feature to show your doctor here's here's kind of my pain journal here's here's what i've been dealing with and i think that's pretty cool exactly i mean that's just that's just such a it chimes with me because it with my own experience of whenever I would go in to see the doctor, more often than not, it just I would happen to be having a good day. And it was almost frustrating in a way that I would go in, I'd be feeling fine. Or not fine, but pretty good. I, I don't know about about you, but my rheumatologist likes to do these measurements while I'm there. Um, so I'll 
I try and touch my toes, bend over and touch my toes, and he'll measure how much my back flexes with a tape measure, and he'll measure my chest expansion with a tape measure as well, and a couple of other things. And I'm in the doctor's appointment, and I'm, and I know I'm doing quite well because I'm having a good day. It's almost fr- it's frustrating as I, I kind of, and I do, and I do say, you know, by the way, this is a good day. You know, if you did this yesterday or the day before, the measurements wouldn't be the same. It'd be much less. But all they can do, because you only see them for this brief fraction of a time, all they can do is just measure you how you are right then. So another one of the motivations that made me want to create a better symptom diary to help me describe the full picture, because doctors only ever see that tiny little slice of the story. Speaking of the story, you developed this because you have ankylosing spondylitis. Tell me a little bit about your journey of discovering ankylosing spondylitis, you're dealing with it, to what led you up to the creation of this app. Well, it started like a lot of people with AS, I think. It started when I was very young, so I was 16 years old. And just out of nowhere, out of the blue, my right knee just blew up. Literally within the space of a day, it went from fine to very swollen and stiff. And the next day, it looked like there was a balloon inside it. I almost couldn't see my kneecap anymore. It was just this round thing. It's kind of freaky. So that happened just for no reason that I could figure out. So I came, you know, I came down the stairs and I said, Mum, Dad, you know, my knee's stiff and swollen. What do I do? I was very lucky because my dad has worked in the NHS all of, all of his life. So the NHS is central health service in the uk the national health service and my dad had been had worked in there mainly as a an ophthalmologist who's a basically an eye doctor he did cataracts through his career so he knew straight away that i needed to see a rheumatologist which you know most people don't get that the normal route would be you go and see your gp and then hopefully your gp knows a bit about rheumatology and knows to refer you there. But I was lucky that I could basically go straight to the rheumatologist because my, my dad knew straight away, ah, yeah, this is some sort of rheumatic reaction. So I got to see a rheumatologist pretty quickly. He drained my knee, took all the fluid out and immediately started investigating it. So I had the blood test. He initially called it a reactive arthritis, which I think is just like an umbrella term for arthritis that is caused by some sort of reaction, your immune system reacting to something. So from there, the blood test came back as, I think it was called seronegative, which meant, which narrowed that diagnosis pretty quickly. And, you know, within a few months, I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. This is what it is. So, you know, I'm very well aware that's probably not the typical story. Most people take a lot longer to get diagnosed, but I I was pretty quick. Initially, it actually didn't really, it wasn't a big problem. First few years, the stiffness and swelling went away. 
I started on a drug called sulfasalazine, and I can't remember, but I might have started non-steroidal anti-inflammatories as well, which just took the swelling away, and not a lot happened for a couple of years, really. It just sort of, I just sort of forgot about it. It was only until I started to go to university that it started to, it spread to my lower back. So I started getting pain in my lower back a lot and just very, very gradually over the next couple of years, that just seemed to get worse, worse and worse, just very, very gradually. Uh, and start, I noticed it, it started to affect my hips and sometimes my shoulders or my, my whole spine and just getting more and more pain and stiffness. And the fact that it, it was so gradual, the change, the increase in pain and, and fatigue, I almost didn't really notice it happening. I mean, obviously I noticed that I was in pain, but I didn't notice how much help I, I, I really needed. I didn't really notice how much trouble I was, I was in until I kind of got to a breaking point when I was at university because I was, I was trying to do my studies. Uh, I was doing psychology at the time. And it was getting really hard to go to lectures, to do do my work, just get up in the morning, started to get get really hard. What I was doing at the time was just trying to plow on regardless, just just basically trying to force my way through it, just try and pretend that it wasn't happening, you know, just try and do absolutely everything that I was doing and just sort of fighting through it. And that worked. That, that, you know, I could do that for a couple of years. I was, you know, young. I wanted to get on with my life and my career. But after, after a couple of years of doing that, it just, it just slowly ground me down a little bit. And yeah, it got to a point where I, I suddenly realized I, I didn't know what to do. It was, it was getting so hard. Life, everything was getting so hard. Yeah, I guess the sort of stress and anxiety and depression sort of snuck up on me until one day I, I just I realized I really needed some help. So I went to see a counselor at the university and I sort of I just burst into tears after about just a few minutes of talking to the counselor. And, you know, I finally had somebody who wasn't my family or close friends, somebody that I could just be completely honest with and actually just explain what was happening. I'd never really explained or described to anybody from the from the beginning what, what was happening. And when I was going through doing that, I just I just sort of broke down in, into tears and that's when I realized that I was I was really suffering. You know, I needed um, I needed I needed some help. So yeah, I, uh, I I gone through some tough times at university, and that that's when I started getting more help from my rheumatologist. We we, we tried for quite a while changing to different non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I tried diclofenac, one called naproxen, one called terocoxib. Started on painkillers. Tried all sorts of different things, and it didn't really help. It wasn't. Well, it did. It did help, but not enough. I was in a lot of pain, and one day, one day, when my rheumatologist, I just said, "I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm really struggling." And kind of, 
yeah i just i just don't know what to do what 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 else can we do and because by that time i learned to sort of be more honest about what was going on inside me instead of just bottling it up and just trying to soldier on i was i was much more willing to say look i'm really struggling here i'm i'm in a lot of pain and so that's when he said oh, okay james i re- i didn't realize you were struggling so much let's start you on this thing called humira so people who have as have probably heard of biologics i know you've obviously heard of biologics he cuz he hadn't realized how much i was struggling because i kind of hadn't when i was younger even just saying out loud i'm in a lot of pain was quite hard to do because almost saying that makes it more real you almost don't want to say it because by saying it you're kind of admitting that your life is is not great right now saying it means you give into it Saying it to me, I, I completely understand what you're saying because as a young guy, it felt like anytime I said it to any level about my pain, that it maybe was defeating me, that I was less. Yeah. I wasn't where I needed to be. I wasn't living up to what maybe my own expectations or others were. And so I, I completely understand that. It's, it's, and I don't know if women experience it the same because. I just haven't had that conversation, but when I talk to other guys that have it, which is not that many, this is only second or third conversation I've had with people with it directly. It's kind of that you're showing that weakness you don't want to show. It's something that when I was young, there was nothing that was going to stop me. I was going to climb every mountain that was thrown in front of me. Well, this was a mountain I couldn't climb, not by myself. And that was probably the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, I think being, especially, I don't know, obviously, I, I don't know how to compare it, but maybe being a, a young man, I don't know if it's harder than being a young woman, but yeah, it, I just found it really tough like you did just to, just to realize and admit that you need help, that you're sad, you know, that you're maybe, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know quite what to do because these are all the thoughts that I was having, but was kind of bottling it all up which makes it even worse which makes it worse for sure i mean i think the i think it's well known now that stress affects the immune system and it affects your nervous system you know it affects your body there's this there's this really strong link between what happens in the mind and what happens in the body and for sure if you're the more stressed you are the more i think it i think it definitely makes it worse yeah so getting onto biologics was was a huge thing for me so the one i started on was called humira and i'm so glad that i i'm so grateful that i i sort of opened up and 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 explained what what i was going through because i i took the first injection of humira and i was sort of told that maybe if if it you know it works for some people that doesn't work for other people Let's give it six to eight weeks and we'll come when we'll have you back in and we'll see if you've improved. So I had my first injection and I wasn't, so I was, I was expecting this long, slow, poss- possibly possible improvement. But what happened was the next day I woke up and I, I straight away, I felt something was different. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but after a few moments, I realized that I could move my neck. Just the movement of my neck felt different. And I realized 
Oh, right. I can actually move my neck in look, further than I had moved it, than I could comfortably move it before. And it just took off. It was... It was it was just like a miracle. It was just like this miracle cure <laughs> out of nowhere that completely took away my symptoms. I mean, for, you know, I would occasionally notice it every maybe once a week or a couple of times a week. But for the most part, I, I could just, I got my life back. I could do what I, what I did before. It was, yeah, it was amazing. I, I even, I did a half marathon which I would never would have thought I could do to uh, to raise money for the National Ankylosing Spondylitis Society. It's a half marathon called the Great North Run, and that happens in Newcastle, where I, where I live. So that that was just just um, amazing. So tell me, what year was that? Uh, so that would have been 2010. By the time I I got on to Humira, that was 2010. Okay, so you're a young guy. You started a biologic. You're having great success with it right off the bat, which is not unheard of. I know doctors like to tell you, give it six, eight weeks, give it up to six months, and you might notice some difference. But I notice not just Humira, but biologics in general, if your body is going to accept them, it seems to be fairly quickly that they like that reduction in inflammation. And so now you're a young guy, you're on this biologic, you're feeling well, are you still on Humira? I'm not, no, I'm actually on something called uh, Simsia or Sertilizumab. Because what happened was after three years of being on Humira, I started noticing my sort of background pains, which were really, the Humira made it really minimal, um, almost gone. But after three years, I started noticing, is it getting, is it getting, is it getting a bit worse? And over over the space of a few months, all of my symptoms came back. I just got all the pain started coming back, the fatigue, and I knew I knew within about a month that oh here we go. I I, I remember this. I remember what this feels like. This is this is ankylosing spondylitis coming back. So it's different for everybody, but with biologics and with anything to do with the immune system. The thing is, the immune system is so amazingly complicated. It, it, scientists don't understand a lot about how it works still. And that's why these drugs affect some people and it, and it doesn't affect other people. And, and some people have side effects, some people don't. And it turns out some people become... Well, I don't think it's entirely known why, but for some people, the effects start to wear off after a few years. And I just happen to be one of these people where, for whatever reason, and it's not quite known why, whether it's my immune system that has become almost immune to the to the drug or, or what. I think there's a theory that my immune system actually starts attacking the Humira and destroying it before it can take effect which is quite annoying. But for whatever reason, it all came back. And that was probably harder than that was harder to take than the original onset, because I knew what was coming. And I'd had these three years where my symptoms had, had gone down so so dramatically. And I managed to get into work. By that time, I was working as an IT consultant. So I was had I was basically going out to see clients, working on projects, 
managing a, a small number of people. So do you know doing quite a lot, earning some money, making a career basically. And then this 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 Angelus and Spondylitis came back, and I just I was that was so that was so frustrating. It was so hard to take because I knew I knew. Well, I I mean to be honest, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, what does this mean? Does this mean it's over? I, I, does, is Humira never going to work for me again? I didn't know. So I went back to see the consultant and explained that, yeah, this is, some, this is something that happens to some people. But what we can do is try some alternatives. Because you reacted so well to the first anti-TNF, we can try some other anti-TNFs. Because some people who become resistant to one type, you switch them to another one and it'll work. And so we went through this period of trying a couple of different ones. But the problem was that when you try a new one, you have to try it for, I think it was at least two months or th or maybe three months to make, because you've got to make sure that it really doesn't work. So I, I the next one I tried was called Etanacept. Um, I think it's also called Enbrel, I think. Yes, that's its street name is Embril, or you know what it's advertised as. Yeah. Enbrel. So that one didn't work at all for me. It didn't. It did nothing for me. But unfortunately, like I say, I had to stick through it for for months just in case it took that long for it to take effect. But it never did. It never took hold. So that didn't work. I tried another one called uh, what was the next one? Golimumab. I've got it written down here. So got yeah, golimumab was next, and again that that didn't help. And so through all of this, it was pretty much a year. I had the mother of all flare-ups, and again we we don't really know why this happened, but for some reason my all my symptoms just ran out of control. The pain and the pain got so bad that I I could barely get out of bed. My typical day would be I wake up, I realize I'm in a lot of pain. I would take a shed load of painkillers. At the time, I, I ended up being on this opiate called MST, which is basically morphine in a in a slow release form. I would start my day with some morphine and some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Breakfast of champions there. Yeah, man. Yeah. That became my everyday. Just waking up and just trying to get out of bed. Took took me about took me a few minutes to get out of bed. I had this whole technique down. You know, I, I would sort of roll onto my side very slowly. That would be, you know, every inch was sort of agonizing pain. Oh yeah. I would slowly swing my legs off the side of the bed. And then I would sort of go face first on onto the front of the bed with my legs, my, you know, so I could sort of, I would end up kneeling with my face on the bed. You are the only other person that's ever said that to me that understands it would take me 20 minutes to get out of bed some days. Yeah. And that was the exact way I had to do it. You And I had to use one of my legs to swing, imagine laying on your back, crossing your legs, and then using your one leg to move the other leg. Yeah. To keep your hips as straight as possible to keep that pain from sending you through the roof. Yeah, that's it, man. I I, I feel you. Yeah. That, oh, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So 
getting from the bed to the sofa was the main thing that I did that day, you know, for, and this went on for about eight months. I was like that. Wow. Uh, so did you have to, were you able to still work or did they pull you out of, no, you went no, on a disability I, or? Yeah, I was on, I, I got a certain amount of, uh, we'll call it occupational sick pay in the UK. Yeah, I couldn't, I could bail, I could, I couldn't really do anything because with the with the painkillers on top of everything, I was I was also very fatigued. So I couldn't even really concentrate on anything. I was so tired. So you had Humira, which you had great luck with. Then after about three years, that wanes off, and then you were put onto Enbrel and Symphony, which are the generic you know the the sales names for them and then when did the doctor finally say hey look we're gonna try this simsia on you actually there was another one oh, the wow. one that event yeah the one i was really lucky because my my consultants were they really went to bat for me in when it came to being able to try different ones i didn't realize it was possible but they they managed to get me on one called infliximab, which is called also called remic. I think it's remicade. Remicade. That's the infusion. That's the infusion. Yeah, that's the one that finally started to work for me. I, I'm just extremely grateful that something started to work because I was I was in a I was in a really bad spot. It was a really dark time for me. Just losing all my sort of sense of purpose because I couldn't work sort of a you know going through kind of a grief at the I had lost I had lost my my sort of life and my career that I knew when I was going through my that the worst part I I decided that if I ever I didn't know I think I at one point I thought I'm never going to get back to work again I'm in such a state you know this this is it. I'm going to be like this forever. And I, I made a promise to myself that if I ever did get back to work, I needed to find something different, so, uh, something different to do. Because what I was doing was interesting, but I didn't love it. And I, re I realized that to be able to work and have chronic pain and, and live with AS, it needed to be something that I really loved to do. It needed to be something that would drive me to get out of bed in the morning because that's what i i wanted to do uh it needed to be something that would would motivate me and drive me it couldn't be just a job that i did just for the sake of a salary i realized i needed to find something different that was a that was a passion and so when i eventually got onto um infliximab um and it started to it started to take effect and actually it might also a combination of that and I found out that I was very allergic, or not allergic, but my uh, my digestive system was very intolerant to onions and garlic. It's something that my GP suggested that I try because at the time, I don't know if you know, but there's this association with AS and things like IBS and Crohn's. There's a strong link. Um, and I was having a lot of digestive problems which I don't think was helping, helping the my my immune system. And one thing that my, my GP suggested was, was this diet called the FODMAP diet. FODMAP uh, is an acronym. It stands for, I can't remember, but it's a certain category of carbohydrates that are found in 
various fruits and vegetables. And for some people, you just some people can't process those types of um, sugars and carbohydrates, and so it, it creates it creates gas and and inflammation in your in your digestive system. And I tried cutting out um, onions and garlic, which turns out is in everything. Because at the time, I, because I couldn't really, I couldn't really do much. I was having a lot of soup from the supermarket. It was easy that I could stick in the microwave and heat up. And it turns out most soup is like 60% onions because it's a cheap staple that tastes all right and it works well in soup. And so what I was doing was I was just piling in onions, which my digestive system just didn't like at all. And so once I realized that, I cut it out. I started feeling my just my I started feeling much better. So that I think that actually helped a lot as well. So yeah, I eventually got back to work, and um, my 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 work was really good in in helping me get back to work. I I, I had to take things really slowly. I, I started part time, just a few hours a week initially, just and I was able to slowly build back up. But I was already starting to think of other things to do. I eventually went to university, the University of Newcastle upon Tyne, where near to where I work, were offering people basically training for people who had been in industry and wanted to come back to to um, sort of go back into academia and potentially do a PhD after this training. And they were offering a living allowance to do that. So I, uh, it sounded interesting. It sounded something that I could really get into and, and that I would enjoy. And it was also something that I could work, I could work my own hours, which for me was was really important because my my flare-ups were, were coming, you know, just completely random times. So I was better, but I, was, I still was struggling quite a lot. So I ended up quitting my job, which was one of the scariest things I've ever done, and went to, did this uh, training at, at university. And while I was doing that, I started getting interested in business and electronics and programming because I'd done a lot of programming before, but it gave me an opportunity to get back into it. And I started, I wanted a little side project to do. And so I started creating this mobile app to record my symptoms because I had had this real problem while I've been going through this, this really bad period of how do I get across to my doctor everything that's happened when when I go to the appointment, I'm tired. I, I don't really remember what's happened to me. You know how I like to describe it to people is telling, describing your chronic pain to your doctor is kind of like describing the weather to somebody for the past six months. So because weather, it, it's something that you experience every day. You know, you look out the window, you go outside, you know what the weather's like, you experience it. It's cold, it's hot, it's rainy, whatever. So you remember today, you remember yesterday, but what the weather was like last week, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, six months ago, I have no idea. And I think people can relate to that analogy. That's what it's like trying to explain to your doctor how much pain you've been in. You know, you lose all of the details. So once you've got this idea, I'm going to just make this mobile app, just something to screw around with, tracking just my own pain, that became the basis for chronic insights? It did, yeah. I took it to my doctor. And when I showed him 
because I printed out this graph and when I showed him this graph of my pain, I, I just, I immediately saw his eyes light up. He was really interested in it. You know, he, he, he looked at it and I could see the, I could see his eyes taking it in and processing it. And I think what he was thinking was, wow, this is a lot of detail. I can just look at this graph and this just shows me instantly what it's like you can see the ups and downs you can see maybe there was a big period there where it was really high you could ask me about that that would remind me of oh yeah that's when you know I, I did too much because I was doing some gardening or whatever it was and the next day I was I was really bad and so we would start a conversation about what what can we do to prevent that in the future maybe we can do some physio to strengthen your your thigh muscles and that, that's when I realized this actually is really useful. I, I was looking at, like I say, I was looking at other apps at the time as well, and I didn't really like any of them. And I thought, you know what? I want to I make one that is everything that I need, that is better than everything that's out there, because I think I can do this. And that's where it all kicked off. So I, I left university. I started my own company chronic insights and a year later this is where i am i've i've got a beta version i'm starting to get people using it and uh it's really exciting and now for the people listening there's two versions of this and and they'll both be built out there's two versions of this and they'll both continue to be built out as we go through time what i found is that for anybody on an iphone you download the app called test flight and then they can then get access to, as you said, it's in beta, so they can get access to it and use it, and it's it's fully functional for the free version. There is a premium version that has a monthly fee to it. I haven't even asked you what that monthly fee is yet, but there's a fee to it, and that's going to give you... three three ninety nine a month. That's uh, British pounds, so what is that in dollars? So about $4.90, $5-ish a month. In American money. Yeah. Okay, so... Or, I mean, so that's the... Uh, and Sorry to interrupt. That's the uh, monthly price, but there's also uh, a yearly subscription, which is cheaper um, overall, um, th £35 for the year. So... Tell a little bit about the difference between... If I'm using the free version, what am I going to see versus if I upgrade? So the free version, you can record up to two symptoms and you can use a couple of the basic, I call them virtual mannequins. These are the ways that you can record the physical location of your symptoms. With the premium version, you, you get unlimited symptoms. You get a greater range of the mannequins to use. You can see your symptoms animated over time. So you get these special yeah, animations that show you visually how your symptoms shift and change on your body. So there's, yeah, as, as we say, there's this basic version, which you can use for free. Or if you like it, you can sign up to the, the premium version. And this is, we should mention that this is, this is still a beta version. This is the first real iteration of it. So the idea is I'm going to throw it out there. I would love for people to download it and try it. But even more importantly, give me feedback. Let me know what's good, what's bad. Is it too expensive? It's I've we, we've set it at three ninety nine a month. Um, so that's British pounds. 
So that's that's about what what is that in in about, U.S. dollars? About forty three dollars for an annualized fee at the American. It's about paying for. It'd be the equivalent of about paying for oh nine months, a little over nine months, and getting three months free at its current price. The annual is cheaper than the the monthly, which is kind of a common thing you get in, in apps these days. Because I, you know, I I've quit my job to to do this, so I need to make money doing it. It needs to be economically viable for me to to con- continue doing it. Oh sure. Well, one thing that it that I'm very I'm very passionate about is anonymity. So a lot of apps out there record as much information about you as possible. Things like your name, your age, your email address. You have to sign in with a password that might track your IP address, your location, because all of this is valuable information. And they usually, if you look in the privacy policy and terms and conditions, um, they'll mention there that they have the right to sell that information to third parties. And and this is something that I, I was never happy with personally. I think it's a form of sort of stealth surveillance, and it's a way that a lot of apps make their money. It's kind of behind your back selling your data to people that you, you, you don't know. That's not what I do. What I do is I just, I, I, I do collect data from users using the app, but it, it is truly anonymous. The only thing that I know about you as the user of the app is a random anonymous identifier that's generated when you install the app. That's it. I don't record IP address or location or any of this extra stuff because I don't need that information to to improve your life. The reason I collect the information is because what I want to do is to be able to use that to raise awareness of what people with chronic pain and chronic fatigue and other conditions, what they go through. And also to show us as, as a community what other people are experiencing. You know, I, w- I would love to know what, on average, what other what parts of the body do people with ankylosing spondylitis have problems with? What things do they track that they think might affect their symptoms? Is, is it things to do with diet? Is it exercise? Uh, CBD, uh, people trying CBD, for example. That's something that I've always been interested in trying, but I, I have no idea if it would help or not. It would be in, interesting to see on an anonymous aggregate level what other people are doing. And so because I, I, I'm taking this approach, I'm not making money off of people's data. I'm making money purely on the subscriptions that people um, hopefully will sign up for because they see value in the app. And if it turns out that that, that value proposition doesn't chime with people, then I'll have to I'll have to change things up a bit. I'll maybe I need to improve the app or change the features. Maybe look again at um, the subscription level. So at this early stage, things will change. Um, so people downloading the app have the opportunity to to be part of making it better, um, contributing to to what I'm doing. And who knows? Maybe if you suggest a feature that you would like to see in the app, I'll think that's a great idea, and I'll put it in. Well, that is awesome. So for anybody listening, in the link in the show notes, I am going to have how to find chronic insights. I'll have a link to your website, James, and 
we'll have that way people can go in and read about it. You can also find it by just searching both the Google Store. I think that's how the Google apps are done is in a store. Yeah, the Play Store. Play Store. That's uh, sorry, I couldn't think yeah. of the name of it. The app store on iPhones, you can see it, but it's, you have to have test flight to actually use it, which is a free app to download. Yeah. So if, if people want to try it out, that would be great. And they can uh, go to my website, chronicinsights.com, and all the instructions are there on, on how to get it. Like you say, Jason, that with, if, if you're on Android, it, it's a bit easier. All you have to do is search in the Play Store for Chronic Insights. And you'll see it pop up and it'll say that it's an early version. Uh, that's how Google does betas. You can just download it, but it labels it as, by the way, this is still a work in progress. Apple do it a little bit differently. You have to use this app called Test Flight, which you use that to download the beta. And for that, you need um, a special link, which is which is on my website. All you have to do is just click on that link and it'll download after you've downloaded Test Flight. Yeah, so just go to the show notes. It will take you to Chronic Insights' website. Actually, I'll also have a link to it on my website, which is spondypodcast.com, and it'll direct you once you click on that link. It'll direct you over, and then we'll we'll hopefully get enough people using this thing in a beta format to show you what you need to tweak it to just continue to make it better. Exactly. Yeah. I would love people just to bombard me with emails about problems with the app, things they don't like about it, um, anything like that. Cool. We've got a great opportunity here for those of us with ankylosing spondylitis or Crohn's or fibro, lupus, any type of disease that you might have, any type of autoimmune issue that you might be dealing with or even non-autoimmune, you know, arthritis type issues. We've got a great app here that allows you to just completely track where you're having your pain to give a better view for your doctor, to give your doctor a better view of what you're dealing with on a day-by-day basis. So I have not seen an app quite this good, and it's only in its beta stage. So it will get better as we get more people to help James to, to flesh it out a little bit. So I'd encourage you to go to the show notes, follow the link. James is really accessible by email right through the website and reach out, give him suggestions, give him feedback, good and bad. Needs to know what's good, what's bad, what's working, what's not, what's what could be smoothed over so that this app is better for all of us with ankylosing spondylitis. Listen, he gets it. He's got it. So you're not telling somebody that is unfamiliar with your condition what you're dealing with. James is going to understand it. And, and for that, I think that's fantastic to combine, not that you have ankylosing spondylitis, but just that you understand and can really use that as you develop this app. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for your support and your, your kind words. And I'm a big fan of your show. Um, I appreciate all the work that you do behind the scenes. I don't know if people realize how much time and effort goes into producing this podcast, but I know it's a lot. So thank you very much. That's my pleasure. We're going to have you on again. We're going to talk more because I, I really think this is something that is very valuable to the community as a whole. And so I'm going to really work with you. I want to get this into people's hands. I want to see people tracking what they're doing to be able to turn this over to their doctor and say, here's a report of what I've been like the last six months. I see it online all the time. 
People say, my doctor doesn't believe me. My doctor doesn't know. Well, if you're giving them empirical data, they can't, you know, they can't say this doesn't exist. They can only overlay it with your MRIs, your x-rays, and all your other testing. Absolutely. The power of uh, something visual that you can take with you is, is it, it's real. It's real. And it can give you confidence as well, make it, make it a lot less stressful going into that doctor's appointment. Very much so. So, again, been speaking with James Allen. ChronicInsights.com is the website. And on Instagram, at Chronic Insights. Yes, at Chronic Insights. Follow me on Instagram. I'll have all of that in the show notes. So if you're driving, so at work, wherever, where you can't write it down, just come back to the show notes. I'll have links to everything so that you won't have missed an issue, won't missed anything. It'll take you directly to finding James online. And I really thank you for your time. And, man, after this conversation, you're going to need a nip. A uh, kip. Kip. Close. A nip is a drink of beer, a drink <laughs> of alcohol. A kip. So I, it's Thank a pleasure. You, Jason. you have a you great afternoon. Much. You too, man. Thank you. you. Too. Speak soon. Bye.